Welcome back to another episode of the RAG Report podcast, my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruitment owners, advisors, suppliers, even investors around the world who are prepared to give up their time to talk to you about how they're coping with COVID-19, tell their stories and, and keep us all entertained on a daily basis. Today, I'm joined by Adam Posner. Adam is the MD and founder of NHP Talent Group over in, the, uh, in New York, in the US. Um, I've seen Adam online quite a lot. We started to connect recently and uh, he's got a really interesting story. This guy runs a consultancy business, used to be contingent, now um, a retained business where they work with brands, uh, in-house teams, anything in the marketing and brand space to attract the best talent. The, uh, the interesting thing about Adam and, and me is we've kind of got a reverse career path. So I, I've gone from recruitment into marketing brand. He's gone from brand and marketing into recruitment. So um, I'm super excited to find out how, how he's doing, he's doing what he's doing. Before I do, I want to just say a word from our sponsor, Rise Recruitment Ventures, as I've mentioned now um, for a few days, are one of the, the fastest growing and newest recruitment investment businesses on the market. Two guys who built and sold liquid personnel over 10 years and sold for over 20 million in 2016 are now on the market actively looking for their next investment portfolio to take either startups or early stage recruitment agencies to the point where they were before. So they're looking to help you with capital and expertise to build a world-class recruitment agency that's built for scale and exit. Um, if you're interested to find out if you could be the right partner for them, reach out via www.riserv.co.uk uh, and they've got a pretty simple process where they'll pick up the phone and get in touch. Right, back to the show. Adam, welcome to the RAG Podcast. Sean, thanks for having me on, my man. I appreciate it. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm delighted to have you, have you here, mate. We had, a, we had a quick chat about a week or so ago. And uh, you're one of them guys who I've just seen everywhere in the last month. I don't think I'd, I'd seen you until I was, I think it was Andrew Silito introduced us for what we're doing tomorrow. And then I was like, this guy's everywhere. He's nonstop. So um, guess, guess it's working, right? Yeah, it must be. I, I, I'm keeping an eye on it. I mean, I'm intrigued. So look, for my listeners who may have not heard of you, can you give us a quick overview who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I appreciate that intro. Adam Poser, I'm the founder and managing director of NHP Talent Group. We're a boutique uh, recruitment consultancy firm based here in New York City. So I work with brands, agencies, startups, everyone in between. And we basically operate as a white label in-house extension of a company or brand's recruitment team. Right? We switched the model from continuing to in-house to provide more value and really switch it up a little bit. And we find that companies really... They want that added value, not just recruitment and putting a warm body in the seat, but the consultancy side, the TA process, working with the ATS systems, working with hiring managers on interview techniques. So soup to nuts, A to Z, talent and recruitment process. Wicked, wicked. And you also host a, a podcast yourself. Yeah, I got a little one called the podcast. Um, you know, the, the podcast is really about, there's a core word there, which is tenacity. And that's something that's been a theme throughout my entire life and career, Sean. And really, I try to showcase guests a, who come from the world of marketing, recruitment, people that have great life and career stories. But that common theme, the common spine is tenacity. So I love to showcase them, tell their stories and bring it to life. Wicked. Well, uh, let's find out a bit more about that. So yeah, man. What, uh, what I want to know, firstly, like, t just for the listeners, right, we're, we're going through a pandemic, globally, it's affecting everyone. 
what describe what life's like for you right now paint the picture so we can kind of imagine your your yeah, situation man. no i appreciate that I'm, I'm a new york guy which i think is important to anyone listening so i've been through everything here 9 11 you know the economic downturns all the good stuff all the bad stuff as well and one thing about us new yorkers is we're resilient as hell and we're definitely going to come back for it but you know I, I would be lying if i said i i wasn't in a good place i am in a good place we live out in the burbs here in the suburbs in, in long island in new york so uh, about 45 minutes from the city, lucky enough to have a, you know, a, a large house, plenty of room to operate. So by no means, you know, do I ever take that for granted? Like every single day, I'm grateful for what I have. Um, you know, two small kids, eight-year-old daughter, two-year-old son, happy wife, happy life, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But things are, hopefully, you know, we, we're, we're turning that corner and we're seeing the light, but it's been a rough couple of months, man. Um, so much uncertainty, so much, you know, death and, you know, utter it's heartbreak here in New York to hear the stories and the tragedies and, you know, people losing friends, loved ones, businesses collapsing, restaurants closing, the nightlife industry. I have so many friends that are in the nightlife industry here in New York and they're scared if they're ever going to have to get back to work. So, um, it's, it's been a roller coaster, man, but hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And if we've seen from the past, you know, we'll bounce back. We may not be the same. We'll never be the same. No. People talk about this new normal. No, but we'll, we'll get back to it, man. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think we we have to adapt to a new normal. And I think, you know, London, New York, they'll they're both similar in that mindset that they will of course they'll the the global economies that are gonna bounce back for sure, but they will be different. I think the uh the, the tube and the subway have got similar similar reasons why both cities spread so fast. Um I live opposite a, a tube station in London, like directly opposite my flat is a is a tube. And uh it's the end of the line, the the central line going out east and you know, it's, it's deserted and it's crazy to think that. It's creepy, right? Yeah, every morning I look out and I'm like, it's usually so busy people packing in and I'm like, will that ever go back to normal? I don't, will I ever want to get on a tube at 8, 7, 38? Right? Know. Like, do you want to put yourself sure in that position, man? Like, No, I, I think I'd either drive or go a bit later or whatever. But, you you know, we're not, we're not in a position in the UK where things feel like they're on the right track, but you just, they're constantly reminding you that, you know, anything could change, second waves, etc. Um, let's get, I want to get into the more about the coronavirus and how you're working with it later. So, but, but for now, let's go back. Okay. So paint, tell us what you're doing before recruitment. Cause you, oh, you yeah, like I said, no. you're, you're in the, in the ad space. Yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty fun story. So, you know, jumped out of school right into marketing and advertising. It was one of those things I had in my blood, man. I mean, I was, you know, even, even in high school, there was a, a business program uh, called DECA, which was a sales program, right? And we competed and everything. And even back then, I, I won states. I went to nationals to compete. So I was kind of had it in my blood, man. And I jumped right in after school into marketing and advertising. I worked at a couple of ad agencies, got my feet wet, right? You know, a little green sapling getting out there. Um, and then I spent some time over, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio, home of Howard Stern the big satellite radio company no. over here. Yeah, oh, never. It's, it's fascinating. No. Uh, tremendous. I mean, I don't even know how many millions of subscribers they have now. It's a wow. satellite radio. You know, you get in your car, yeah, you yeah. listen on your app. Um, did that for about five years, learning about direct-to-consumer marketing. We were one of the first live streaming. I mean, I was, I think, number three on the beta test for their BlackBerry app, going back to Blackberries, um, wow. if you recall. So real yeah, cutting edge stuff stuff back then. Made a shift over to another little company called American Express, which was quite fascinating for me. It was kind of a culture shock, you know, going from Sirius XM, which was the wild, wild west, so to speak, 
right? You know, it was a company that was full of entertainment, uh, tons of content, you know, really trying to figure things out and then shifting over to American Express, which, you know, as you know, has been around for a hundred plus years, mm -hmm. uh, back with the, the ponies and the telegraphs and everything. Um, did that for a little bit. And I said, you know what, Sean, I go, this, this was not right for me culture wise. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right in my heart. And I said, you know mm -hmm. what? I really aligned with advertising and marketing. And that's why I did a jump back in uh, and kind of speeding up this story. I found myself a couple of years later working for Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk mm -hmm. over at VaynerMedia. And Sean, I thought it was a holy grail. I was like, I yeah. did it, man. This is before Gary was a household name, before, you know, the, the Gary V uh, spread across. Um, and I was excited. It was happy. I was a pig and shit, man. It was awesome. How big was the, the business at the time? Yeah. Back then it was uh, about a 325 person shop. And now fast forward, I think they're over, uh, over 850. Yeah. So much smaller. And that's about six years ago. Um, and I'll be honest, man, it wasn't, you know, it, it didn't fit for me. It didn't fit for me after a couple of weeks, something wasn't right. And, you know, you and I could dig into that over a beer next time I'm over in the UK, mm -hmm. but you know, for whatever reasons, it was not the right place for me. Um, I was in a different mindset. I was in a different headspace that I am now. And ultimately I did not perform what they hired me to do. And I lost my job. I got canned, man. I got fired. Really? And it was, um, it was that moment, right? Is it an aggressive place? I wouldn't say it was aggressive. I think that there were some personality clashes. I think there were some situations that I could have handled in a different way. You right. know, Adam sure. from 2020 versus Adam of 2015, two totally different human beings as far as how I approach conflict and situations. But ultimately, Sean, if I didn't have that moment where, you know, I had to take a step back and say, am I happy what I'm doing? Do I really like this crap, right? Do I really like what I'm doing every single day? And the answer was no. And it mm. caused me to reflect and pivot. And it wasn't until that conversation with Gary Vee on the day that I got let go where he said, Adam, stop focusing on the things that you suck at and double down on your strengths. And we broke it all down. We're good at what you and I are doing. I know marketing. I know the New York market. And it wasn't until I said to him, hey, Gary, I, he, well, Gary goes to me. He's like, so what are you thinking about? Like, what, what do you feel you want to be doing? And I said, you know, I have a buddy that does healthcare recruiting and he's doing really well. And before I could finish my sentence, Sean, Gary looks up and he goes, dude, you make a fucking awesome recruiter. Mm -hmm. And I haven't looked back. And, you know, so I left there and I didn't just jump right into recruiting, man. I didn't just mm -hmm. jump right in. I worked with a lot of recruiters in my time. So I did my due diligence and I spent about six, seven weeks reaching out to every recruiter I ever worked with, recruiters that I didn't even know. And I said, hey, you have a cup of coffee, a phone call, quick conversation. Just tell me a little bit about your industry. Tell me a little bit about your job. So I learned the ups and downs, the roller coaster, the financial implications. What the hell does a draw mean? What the hell does contingency mean? Retained all this stuff. So before I even stepped foot one day into recruiting, I at least had that background, right? Yeah. I had that knowledge going in there. And then I was lucky enough, I got, um, you know, uh, picked up, so to speak, by a great firm called Onward Search. And I had the opportunity to learn under a true veteran recruiter who taught me the art and science of recruiting. And as they say, man, the rest is history. And what was that straight in the brand space, straight in the world you already knew? Full desk recruiting that's sourcing, biz dev, soup to nuts, managing candidates, recruiting, doing everything uh, in marketing and advertising, yeah. which was great because, you know, that's what I wanted to work in and I had the network. So these yeah. weren't cold calls, Sean. Sure, I made my fair share of cold calls, but these were warm calls. This is reaching out to my network, folks that I've known for 15 plus years, folks that I've had great relationships with yeah. that were more than happy to take my phone call. And that's that really predicated thing. my success, man. Yeah, we used to say, uh, my old boss, I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning, like on, in the later days at Venquist where I was uh, for five years, we talked about new business and we talked about, you know, the, the nature of hiring juniors into a recruitment company and giving them this task of winning new business. And we we're like, well, 
what about all the industry practitioners? This was, he, he was, I'm not going to claim this was my idea. This was what he was saying. He was like, what do you think, Sean? Do, you know, we could go out and get a business analyst or a project manager or somebody who's already an industry practitioner in insurance, in retail, in finance services. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, don't, they might not even need to do the recruitment element of the job, but if they could go out and win business, business. by the, using the network they've already got, you know, wouldn't we, wouldn't we be fast-tracking the relationship part? And I was like, great idea. I don't think they ever, they've ever done it to that level, but it, it makes perfect sense to have someone from a sector enter, enter back in, Dude, as a, in a different world. There was, there's no humanly way I would be successful at if I didn't have that background, right? Or if you mm-hmm. threw me into a different sector, no chance in hell. Right. Think about the stress that came along with it. It took a burden off of my back where I could, the biz dev was coming naturally, so to speak. Yes. I had to, you know, fan the flames. Mm. I was able to shift focus on learning how to be a recruiter. And we talk about it a lot. I mean, you know how it is from your days, right? There, mm. There's an art and science to recruiting, understanding that candidate's motivation, how to manage them through the process, how to manage the hiring managers. Yeah. And that was the other piece of Intel and advantage that I had because I've been a hiring manager on the other side. So I was able to talk shop. I was able to really break down to see if this candidate was qualified or not, and then talk the talk and with the acronyms, the lingo, and really understand if they were the candidate that was needed. Do you know what I also think that you probably no. didn't even realize? And I've realized being on the other, I've gone from being a recruiter, a good recruiter to a, to a hiring manager, a business owner. It is the impact that those hires have on, in the conversation and, and on the business that I don't think I ever truly valued. I, I got it. And you don't do what I did without getting it. And I was great at putting people in. I managed the process, all of it. But did I ever really think about the impact on that organization and the lives of those people that I was, not the recruit, not the, not the candidates, but the clients. Right. Uh, but now, if I could go back knowing what I know now of how I'm trying to build an organization and how yeah, fundamentally talent, talent's going to be everything to, that, to that, that vision. And if I could find someone like you who can you know, make that a reality for me and I don't have to keep repeating myself to 50 people, that the value in that is incredible. And it's, it's, I think coming from having that experience, you, you, you had a head start without even realizing. 100%, 100%. And I, you know what I, I, I did realize? You know mm-hmm. what? I may not have realized to the full extent, but I, but I had that intel. And, and it's so interesting that you talk about it. And this is kind of one of my, the selling points of switching from pure, I still do a little bit of contingency, don't get me wrong, but my core business mm-hmm. is really retained consultancy. And one of the pitches is, you know, your recruiter, your recruiter is the first line of communication with any new potential employee. They are the brand ambassador. They're the gatekeeper to your company. Do you want somebody who knows how to tell your company story articulately and accurately? Or do you want to source it out to, you know, the contingency world? And, and no, no, I'm not trying to trash it, you know, all the way here. But when, when, when companies work with somebody like me, I'm fully vested. The people that work for me, my consultants that work underneath me, we're an extension of their team, man. We can mm-hmm. tell that company's story and represent it properly instead of fumbling through it. And not to say that there are recruiters who can't do that, but it makes a huge difference. And to your point, you, those people that you have coming onto your team, these are going to be your coworkers. You're going to be with them daily. They're going to be affecting the bottom line of your business. They're part of your team. You want the best, man. No, it's so true. It's so true. And, you know, when you... I, I'm not going to slag off contingent because one, I, I did it for a long time. And no, no, definitely. I, I never, I was a contract guy, so I, I, there was no retained contract work. Um, but I did go for exclusivity and I used to use the same argument that, you know, mm-hmm. given, how do you control your message if you're using four or five businesses? It's, it's actually impossible, right? You it's can't talk do it. Track. Exactly. So you work for another agency 
And then how, when did you get to the point where you were like, how long were you in the game till you were like, yeah, right, I need no, to now no, take it's, it it's, it's, it's a good story. So I was working for Onward for almost two years and then I was recruited um, by a UK-based company, uh, Interquest, part of Ecom, yeah. uh, which was interesting. They were uh, opening up a digital practice here in New York City. Um, they had some folks for Restraper Right that were working the management consulting side over here. They launched a business. Um, you know, I got wooed in. I got recruited, man. Literally, it was, it was interesting. I got recruited. I got wind and die, man. They, they, they got, they, they took care of me. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, at the time we, we were having such great conversations about what we were building and everything, but ultimately six months in, we weren't aligned as far as approach. And I've had this conversation with a lot of other UK recruiters. There's a different mentality between US and US, UK and US based recruiting. There's a different approach. There's a different level of aggressiveness. There's a different focus on the metrics, right? That's not to say, you know, the big shops, the Solomon pages, the Robert Halfs of the world are really not focused on the metrics because they are, but I'm a relationship based recruiter. That's how my success in business has been predicated. Things take time. Things need to take to warm up. And that's when the doors start to open. So ultimately, Sean, we were not aligned on that timetable and we decided mm. to part ways. And it was that moment, you know, when I came home one night to my wife and I was like, this is not working out. And she said to me, why the hell can't you do this on your own? Mm. And it was a two second decision, Sean, that changed my life again to launch my well, own business. When was that? What, what, can you remember the month and the year? Yeah, that was um, August of 2017. Wicked. So I was about six months into my journey then. Um, I can remember it really well. That moment, um, you remember that moment, man? I remember, I remember, well, my moment was different. So my, we, we, me and my business partner knew we were going to launch a recruitment company from poor early days. Like we did two years in Oz, then we moved to the UK in 20, or back to the UK in 2012. And we were already talking about it. And then he lost his father in an accident in 2014, like a freak accident one night. And I was with him when he found the news. He got the call right. where his dad had passed. And uh, that was the moment we were like, look, this is happening now. Like, not right now. It took another three years, two, two and a half years. But it, that was the moment we started planning, seriously. We didn't plan for a marketing agency until the last minute when I changed the plan. But that's a whole different story. Um, but I do remember that moment where you're like, I'm doing it. And it's exciting. What, oh yeah. Where did the name Gary too? Where's your uh, name from? This is a good one too, man. So you know how it is, man. Like it comes time to, to name your agency, name your pet, whatever it is. And you're thinking about all these names and, and all these recruiting names were sounding so cliche to me, man, you know, rocket talent launch anything with an upper trajectory name on it. Right. And I was really struggling with the name and I'm a creative guy, right? I could, I could come up with some good shit. And my wife said to me, she goes, stop, stop, stop what you're doing here. She goes, what is the most important thing in your life? What is your North star? And at the time before my son was born, it was my daughter. And I thought about it for a minute. Well, her name's Nina. I'm not going to name my, my firm Nina Talent, Nina Recruiting. That doesn't make sense. Mm. And these are her initials, NHP, Nina Harrison Posner. And I named my company NHP Talent Group. And I like it. It stuck with me immediately. And looking back on it almost three years now, everything that I do, every time I'm wearing this hat, every time I'm looking at my email signature, every time I'm looking at an invoice that I send out has those initials on it. And it reminds me every day of why I do what I do. And I look at it and it's a constant reminder. And that's what drives me, man. It's my two kids. You know, mm -hmm. I want to set an example for them and I want to leave them with a legacy that their dad, you know, he made mistakes, he learned from them and he pivoted and he built something that everyone could be proud of. Wow. Well, that's, that's awesome. I think sentimental stories like that 
there's so many out there. There's there's a lot that just bang names together. Um, but that I like that one. Your son might feel a little bit jealous in the future. Well, you might have to launch a new business with his name. It's funny you say that, right? And I joke about that. I joked about that on another show too. Like he gets an extra man. Yeah, That's all yeah. it is. His name, his name is Ali. So we'll, we'll think of something cool for that. But I think we need those reminders in life, right? Like I wasn't going to come up with another cliche name. I wasn't going to no. do that shit, man. And, and it's also a great talking point, right? And from a sales strategy too, I, I, I have had lots of conversations with prospects that have turned into clients and that's been part of the conversation because that's me and that's relatable and that's part of your story people want to do business with people not companies no that's true so to paint the picture at the beginning so how did you start it all off august you yeah. made the decision when did it start what was day one look like yeah day one was figuring out how to operate a business and and luckily for me my, my wife's an attorney so she was able to guide me through a lot of the logistics the corporate stuff setting up the llc the taxes and all that kind of fun stuff mm. um but I jumped right into it, man. And, and I was able to reach out to some former clients and more importantly, some former candidates that turned into a referral business. I mean, anyone who's in recruiting knows that referrals are the lifeblood for everything that we do here. Um, and I started to pick up clients relatively quickly. And I was straight contingency uh, for the first year. And it's amazing, man. When you don't have to share that deal with anybody, it is so sweet. And it also enables you to drop your points a couple of, uh, a little bit right? Because you have a little bit more leeway. Now, I didn't want to undercut all recruitment. I don't play that game. I value my services and I know what I provide as far as the quality of my products. I wasn't going to drop, you know, down to 15, 17%, but I was able to take it down a couple of points and have those conversations. And they said, it never even got to the point of why should I work with you? It's, you know, let's do it now. Let's do it. Let's see what Adam could do. And they gave me my chances and these were not exclusives. They were just regular good old contingency recruiting. And it was sink or swim, man. And I had a couple of home runs out of the gate couple of successes, couple of failures, like anyone could imagine. I mean, that's what recruiting is all about, right? If you close 30% of your deals of everything that come across your desk in recruiting, you're doing all right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we had a um, one in four. We had a 25% when I was there. Right, it's kind of like, it's kind of like baseball, right? I don't know if you're a baseball guy, right? But if you're, if you're a three, no, I've seen Moneyball, <laughs> right? So if you're, so think about this, right? If you're in baseball and you're a 300 hitter, that means three out of every 10 times you're hitting the ball, right? Like generally speaking, mm. right? What other profession? If you're a doctor and you're batting 300, forget it, man. You're getting malpractice suits and you're out on your ass, man. Sure, right, but sure. in recruiting, you're a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. You're a Hall yeah. of Famer, man. So um, the business kind of evolved where about a year in, I took a personal contract role um, in-house at a company. Um, the pay rate was great, you know, and it came on the heels of losing a couple of deals. And, you know, this opportunity came my way and I said, let me give it a shot, man. It was, a, it was, it was on site working for an agency. I was able to do that a few days a week. I still had my contingency business on the side. And I learned that I, I was working in-house at an ad agency as an extension of their talent team. And I was like, holy shit, man, I'm good at this. And I really like it. And that's when I had the second aha moment, Sean. I'm like, let me, let me see if I could flip this into a larger business. And I started to group together a couple of other independent recruiters who were looking for work. They had some open time. And I started a mini RPO. And I started to put these folks in place at other companies. And then I started to see the money, how that worked, right? The margins yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah. That's when it all clicked and the rest is history, dude. All right. So when that was after what? 12 to 14 uh, that was about, months? That was about, about 16 months in. Yeah. So you would like... Was it charging a monthly fee and then obviously committing to a monthly fee? Any, would you look at performance fees on top as well when you're in the in-house uh, we explored, contract? We explored, a couple, we explored a couple of performance incentives and we've tried that before too, right? Where they've, mm. they've tried to do like a lower rate, a lower hourly rate in exchange for performance. Um, I've seen that successful. I've seen that completely unsuccessful. Uh, it's a gamble and I kind of like that hybrid model. It depends, but most of them were straight hourly contract, man. 
Um, it was in and out. It was easy for me to manage. Um, performance is interesting. You know, we talk a lot about performance too. And I think that comes down to managing, you know, client and candidate. Ex- it comes down to managing expectations, right? You've had it before. You remember in your recruitment world where you get a new client and they say, Hey, we want to see 10 qualified prospects by next week. And that's something yeah. I would never, ever promise to, because we talk about that X factor in recruiting. I said, let us just do our job. Mm-hmm. You'll see the quality of the candidates and then just let it kind of go, man. Like let it roll. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a complaint. Well, yeah. not, to, not to say I never had a complaint. I mean, we all have in recruiting, so, but it comes down to that X factor. Would you always go in where the talent teams are uh, non-existent in like the smaller end of the market? Or would you go when they've, how do you, how do you position yourself if it's a bigger agency and they've already got a team that cater for different things? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's two, sorry, you'll hear my little kid upstairs just waking up sorry. from his nap. Um, you know, there, there's two schools there. Earlier on, I would focus on companies that needed to scale. They already had yeah. established TA teams and they were looking to scale. And I come in and I'd be the tip of that arrow with folks underneath me. So I would manage my piece of business, the recs on my plate within that company. And then I have a couple of recruiters working for me under, under my shingle. Um, in that company. But moving forward into 2019 and 2020, I found my real sp- sweet spot was working for smaller companies, uh, specifically startups, that, have, that do not have an established talent acquisition yeah. team. They have product, yeah. they have brand, they have marketing, and all that stuff, and now they have to scale. So let's look about, talk about it from a, from a cost standpoint. Are you going to pay someone like me a couple hundred grand a year right out of the gate? Or you could do it on a monthly contract basis, and it's a lot more palatable, and it's mm. scalable, and it's testable. If you don't yeah. like me after a month, I'm out versus hiring somebody and firing them. Yeah. And companies who value that, they get it. So how many, how many of these businesses can you handle like, on your own? Or do you, how do you split your time? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So uh, going, going into, we'll talk about January through March of 2020, I had three clients that I was managing. And I was First splitting time, yeah. my time between the three with teams underneath me. Fast right, forward so to, to the, whole, the whole of you guys catered for three businesses. Correct. Yeah. And then each one of them is multiple roles. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was a lot of balls in the air, man. That was a lot of juggling. Um, but I'm a little OCD. I'm a little crazy. If you saw the spreadsheets and everything on my laptop, man, it's kind of like rain, man, right? There's, there's a lot of shit going on there, keeping myself organized. And I operate at a pretty high frequency and that frequency enables me to be locked in at the moment and really be able to manage everything. And I kind of block other things out of my life. Um, but fast forward to March, 2020, two of those lines of businesses, um, They've had a furlough and let people go, especially a lot of their in-house recruiters. So that business disappeared. But fortunately, we talk about silver linings a lot on my show. Um, My core client is a venture collective. They had me and the team set for about, you know, half capacity. We'll call it 20, 25 hours a week. And they predominantly have a group of direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies where hiring has drastically increased in the last two months. Right. All commerce has shifted to online. And one of these things course, yeah. opened up, man. So I've doubled my contract with them. Uh, we brought folks underneath me and it's been, it's, been a, it's been a blessing in disguise. And now I'm strictly focused on working on this one company. We have some very senior executive level searches and it gets my blood flowing again, man. Remember mm-hmm. that, remember that recruiter, that, that, that high that you would chase, man? Right? When those yeah, I'm trying, trying to put myself, I mean, as a contract guy, it was, I was always juggling multiple roles, right? I was yeah. never on one role. It was, you couldn't be, even if it was a big 12 to 1500 pound a day contract, right. it was still, you couldn't, you couldn't bank on it. Even if it was exclusive, I'd still have four or five. As a team, we used to pull, we used to work on a ratio of four to one. We tried to get 40 jobs, 10 deals. That was always where we were aiming for. Um, but uh, no, I remember, I remember the days where I placed a woman in, from Paris 
who she was a, she was a Brit living in Paris who just rebranded a group of insurance global insurance brands and I was it was a marketing change position so they they needed a project manager to help um, a, a, another insurer in London who bought a lot of brokers globally to rebrand them and I remember it's a fucking hard role it was a really hard role and it had been on the market for ages and I got it and I got it exclusive and I remember speaking to a woman in the woman in Paris I found and do you know what you just know and I was like. I'll never forget you're that the one. That, you're the one. You're it, that, and we got to we got to make this happen. Was, that was the best moment. I think if I look at my seven years in recruitment, that was the one moment I remember just doing doing a deal in my head when it was before it was even done, and it was, and it was wicked. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about the fees, right? There's still an amazing high when you close a deal and that check comes in. I'm not even talking about that. It's your point when you place the right candidate it's a great search and you know you found the right person man and and yeah. that's where i'm at now i mean these are some critical roles for organizations that are really going to define the future success of this company and mm. that's a lot of responsibility right i mean ultimately listen it's it's the hiring team's responsibility to make that decision and make that offer but they're relying on me to bring those candidates to the table so how have you managed the logistics around you personally being a father um a husband you know, you, you've got a podcast, you've got, you're trying to run these searches. How, were you already at home? Were you in the city? How, how was it all before COVID? How was it all? Yeah, running? man, I, I, I worked, I, I was in the city one day a week and I, and I have office space here out in Long Island and now I'm literally working from my, my den here. Makes for a nice backdrop for the show. Oh right? yeah, it's cool. We got some wood, it. we got some brick, we got some elements, we got some family Oh, Stuff I bet you could have here. a. I think I saw you the other night on live. You had like a fire going on. Oh yeah, you, that was. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing the live show. We could talk about that. That's a good time yeah. too. But about, right, it's um, it comes down to prioritization. When I'm all in on the work, I'm all in. Right. I mean, things are a little bit different now with COVID. I got to take breaks to you know read with my daughter, do homework and mm. stuff. Um, uh, it's about blocking and tackling your time. Right. And it's about scheduling. This is going to be sourcing work. This is going to be corporate, you know, we'll call it uh, back office kind of stuff um, and making time. I'm a big, I'm a big student in my calendar, you know, and the first thing I learned, Sean, day one of recruiting, I was lucky enough to work under a, a great vet. His name was Tom Hall. I'll give a little shot there, Tom Hall. And he said to me, this is the greatest piece of advice as far as recruiting that I take advantage of every single day or take action on plan your work and work your plan. A quick interruption of the episode to bring to you a message from our second sponsor, which is Odro. Odro, as most of you probably know, is the world's most powerful all-in-one video interview platform for recruiters. Used by thousands of recruiters worldwide and with some of the industry's biggest names amongst its client base, Odro is a video interview platform. It was developed specifically to help agencies increase their revenues. The most innovative solution on the market, Odro's software helps recruiters to engage more talent, reduce time to hire, and most importantly, it helps you win business. You'll even get the ROI back from investing in Odro within just 45 days. It's designed to benefit everyone in the process. So from recruiters to clients to candidates, Odro's platform is improving the hiring process one interview at a time. We chose to partner with Odro because we felt like both brands, Hoxo and Odro, were in such a clear alignment in the way that we approach everything we do and how passionate we are about helping this industry grow. If you want to find out more about how Odro can help your agency transform its process and win more business, win exclusivity and drive revenue, then click the link on the podcast notes and every social post that goes out and they will, you will get a call back by one of the Odro guys. They're, they are awesome and I'm sure they'll be able to offer some amazing value to your business. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show.
this is the greatest piece of advice as far as recruiting that I take advantage of every single day or take action on. Plan your work and work your plan. And that's a mantra I repeat every day when I flip open my computer. I say, all right, here's what I got to get done today. Here's what I got to get accomplished. I'm going to prioritize them. And I still use old school sticky notepads, man. Mm-hmm. And I write them out and I cross them out as I go. Now, if I get to, I like to say if I get to like 75, 80% of those things on the list that aren't like yeah. super timely, it's a good day, man. Yeah, I was found in contract again. It was hard to really come because so much could happen in a day. So many jobs could come in, somebody could fall out. Um, but nowadays I'm, yeah, I use a Trello board and I have my five things. I don't know if you listen to podcasts with Andy Frizzella. He's obviously big in the US. Um, I've heard of him, but I, yeah, I, don't, he's I, don't got listen, a, I don't listen to a lot of other podcasts, man. I'll be honest with you. I, really? I touch base with some here and there. Just play you know, that's, every day. I just hear my own voice in my head. And I, I, I don't even listen. To, like, I, I'll listen to my show immediately after I record mm-hmm. it, like within a day to kind of give myself the feedback. And then I'll usually listen. Like I have a show I'm posting this afternoon. I'll listen to it again a day before that day just to kind of refresh my memory. And then, you know, obviously when we're doing editing and stuff too. Yeah. Um, but I really do not. I, my time, my time is focused when I have any leisure time. It's really spending time with my wife and kids um, and then working on the podcast, which honestly, man, that's accounting for about 20% of my time right now. Actually, I would say in, in the age of COVID, it's even more because I've been doubling down on not just the podcast, but the live shows as well. Well, I think I can relate to that. But what's said about the the Trello board? I have a, of course, he calls it the power list, right? He calls mm-hmm. it a power list that you, if you write five things, no more than five, every morning in your power list, and you say, look, if I do any, if I, if all I get done today is those five things, I'm going to be a happy guy. And if you can nail eighty percent of that consistently, yeah. you're on you're on to a winner, right? Um, and I think that that's something that I've been doing since lockdown started, and I'm I'm enjoying it. You're finding it helpful. Yeah, being yourself fo- because you could lose focus easily, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, now that the weather's getting nice, I could get distracted and go do a house mm-hmm. errand or, you know, find something else to do. But it's about being focused. And, you know, it's crazy. Um, a lot of people have lost their minds, literally lost their minds. They've lost their jobs. And I had a choice to make on day one of lockdown. And that choice was to either lose my mind or focus, buckle down and really get my shit together. And I chose the latter and thank God I did. And, you know, someone who's been a mentor to me, I'm not sure if we're familiar, a gentleman by the name of Dave Meltzer, big here in the States. No, you know, Dave, um, definitely, definitely check out Dave Meltzer. He's a, a tremendous sales leader and inspiration. Um, and he uses the analogy. Remember, remember when we used to get on airplanes and fly places? Remember those days? Oh yeah. Right. When we yeah. used to get, and you get on the airplane and the flight attendants are doing their safety routine and they say, in case of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, the oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling place it on yourself first before anybody else. And that analogy really applies now to really take care of yourself first and be your best. So you could be your best for the people that rely on you. And that's something I've really taken to heart since Mm -hmm. day one. Um, And I could stay clear headed, clear mind focus. I mean, I've gained business and talk about the brand. I mean, I've tripled down, quadrupled down on content. I built up followers and not just followers, but fans, people who are really engaged with my shows and my podcasts. And I've created some great content, really awesome guests that are talking about current events, what's happening in recruitment, HR, tech, life, and providing to other people. And that's what the show's all about, man. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I can so relate to that. When it got to the lockdown, when it got announced, I was doing this show once a week. And we'd already planned to recruit. The RAG report was going to be a once a week daily, uh, once a week news show. So where the RAG podcast was exclusively going to help recruitment owners by talking about growth stories 
the report was more about a global news bulletin, what's going on every week, talking to people around the world, suppliers, anyone really, and just having chat and fun and it's a bit less structured. Um, and then when the, when, the, when the lockdown hit, I had a pretty uh, depressed weekend of thinking, what the fuck's going to happen? And then once, once I got my head around it, I was like, right, I can, I can only control what I'm going to do. And the first thing I said is I'm going to go daily for a while. Um, and we've, we've literally gone from like, say five and a half to 6,000 to just under 15,000 monthly listeners now, which is just, just by going daily and just making it relevant and consistency. Yeah, man. It's been tiring as well. It's like, you know, trying to do this every day. People don't know how tiring it is. This is work. Yeah. hundred percent. And nothing else drop. You can't drop anything else. You can't stop anything else because look, we're not sat here with the violins out because we've got, we enjoy our podcast and it's, 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 that's a good question then for, for you. What, what impact have you seen content actually have? Because I, obviously we're both, in a, we're both promoting similar things. My business is built around this. And I feel like I've been saying some of this shit for three years and it's now people are starting to do it. What do you yeah. think it's truly had an impact on you? Yeah, let's, let's break that down. So there's a couple of things here. One, I think it's informing and entertaining and that's, that's, that's big. Um, I take a lot of pride like you in the quality of our sh- of my show. Um, I do research, I prep, and I really want to put a good product out there because I think that the overall podcast content, it, it's saturated, right? You have the Gary V's of the world and other people mm. are literally telling everyone to put out as much content as possible. And I don't always think that's the best advice because some people really shouldn't be. Or maybe they're putting out forms of content that, you know, I, I, I applaud testing and learning. You should try things. But some people are better at writing. Some people are better on camera, off camera, in front of the microphone or not. And you really have to find it. So, you know, I think number one is connecting with an audience and connecting with people. And for me, you know, my shows are about my network is my net worth. And I know that sounds cliche, but I'm going to talk about it in terms of business development. The ability to for me to invite a potential prospect on my show or someone that's going to at least be a door opener is a lot easier to book somebody for one hour on my show than to try to get them to agree to a 15 minute cold phone call or an email. 100%. That's bottom line right there. That's some real shit right there. Yeah. And I've proven it out. The second when did part you launch your show? February of 2019. And I'm, yes. approaching, I'm approaching 100 podcast episodes and I've recorded probably about 50 or 60 live shows since November. Um, and it's branding, man. I mean, let's, let's talk shop, man. Let's talk about what you do. And I'm a recruiter and I'm doing this and it's putting my name out there. It's building the reputation. My voice is getting out there as a thought leader. And you know what? I do have shit to talk about. And I do know what the hell I'm talking about. So let's do that. And then when I pair myself with someone who's an expert leaps and bounds above me, I get a chance, Sean, to learn from them. That's my mm. masterclass. That's my MBA. Mm. I agree. So it, works, it, works, it works on all these levels, dude. Every and, single one the of these... Every single one of these episodes, I pull, I pull things from it. I take things from it. I get it. I think we, right? we both started it. We started at the same time. I was January 19. And I think there was a good time. There wasn't as much noise in our sector about this now. Um, but I still think, you know, I look at recruitment as a sector, whereas you guys have to focus on marketing, brand, advertising, talent within individual sectors. And you've all got those opportunities to dominate and, and, and really, really double down in those spaces. Um, what... What has been the net impact from the podcast? Can you track like ROI? Obviously, you talk about the process yeah. element of being able to get in the door. Can you say you've managed to win clients or anything? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So it's not just winning clients, which, which has happened. And it's been a direct effect. And it's also been the halo effect too. And the halo effect really comes down to branding, Sean, right? Like it's 
getting your name out there, building that reputation. And when, when, when potential candidates and cl- clients and candidates, let's talk about candidates too, because that's name recognition. They're getting hit up by every recruiter out there. They say, oh, Adam, oh, Adam's that podcast guy, the podcast guy. I like his shit. I've seen it before. I'm going to return his phone call, mm. right? And clients, let's talk about door openers, man, referrals. When you have those engaging conversations with a potential client, Maybe they might be your client right away, but they'll refer you to business, right? Oh, I just had a great podcast with Adam. He was awesome. He knows what he's talking about. By the way, he's also got a recruiting business and you should have a chat with him. Mm. That's the net effect. That is yeah. the net effect. Um, and, and I've had so many leads and conversation starters and introductions. It's been incredible, man. Um, and those days, you know how it is, right? Those days when you feel like you just want to stop, like, like, all right, I'm tired. I'm, I've been doing this a long time. The next day, you get a message from somebody that heard you on the show, that you inspired them, that you opened up a conversation, that it you know elicited some kind of action that they didn't plan on taking until they listened to you or your guest. That's what it's all about. Oh, mate. Well, I've had messages in the last few weeks about people that have said, you know, it's keeping me going in this period, or I've started a recruitment business because of this show. It's, it's, it's given me the nudge. And right. of course, like, yeah, that to me is the reason I'm doing it, like more it's than anything else. And the live show too, man, the live show, the live show we did last week, you know, we did a nighttime show for shits and giggles and it was a whole new platform, man. Usually I do the live show during the day. We did a nighttime show and we, we, we shifted focus from being so serious and, you know, talking about, you know, TA and diversity and inclusion and all that really serious, important stuff and just had a fun show and people loved it, man. And I loved it. I mean, I improv the whole thing from here. The fireplace going here. I, yeah, I put a button down on. I clean myself up, right? I made myself into a late night talk show. And people want more of that. So we're going to do it again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. Sean, was it Sean or you that had the weird tie on? He had this fat oh, Herbie, tie yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, I love that guy. He was on my show. Oh, you could, he was on this dude. at the beginning of the uh, lockdown. I brought him in. He's um, my dude, man. He's good. Yeah, I love that guy. What, um, okay. What, 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 one thing to really, for people, I think, I think, I, People are waking up to this shit anyway, right? So it's not like what we're talking about is mod- is news to people because I think a year ago it was. Now it's like, yeah, I get it. But to put it into context, I used to go out in London on a Wednesday and a Thursday night, wine and dine clients till midnight, drinking beers I didn't even want, eating yeah. shit food I didn't even need, putting on weight, getting up late the next day or waking, waking up feeling like crap. And I was in a cycle. And do you know what? It made me a lot of money. Maybe a shitload of money. So it works. <laughs> it works. But to, I, I see the show and, and the way that content is it's a modern version. So it's, it's an ability to do similar things on a platform that people spend so much time now. So thinking about the buying journey and also it allows you then to, you know, be at home with your kids or be able to spend that time with family as opposed to being out till midnight because you have to do it for work. So, you know, not, it's not for everyone. There's going to be people that fight this and want to sit there in a pub till the days are done. But personally, in my part, where I am in life and what, what I want from life, being able to digitally connect video, content, brand, it's, it's, had, a, it's had a massive impact. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And for folks like you and I, and it's so fascinating that we have the, 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 the opposite backgrounds here. And I think mm. that's what makes us successful and understand it, right? But to your point in your business, man, I think folks who do not have that marketing background are seeing folks like you and I do it, do it well, do it right. And we talk about our results, that it works, that it absolutely works. You have to brand yourself. And I really, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn all day long, man. I mean, that's where my mm. business is. I thrive on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of us doing it, man. There's not no. a lot of recruiters. You can count. You can count. There's really not a lot. And, you know, and I, I tend to think that I am uh, an early adapter. I mean, I don't use the word pioneer because that's, 
I'm far from a pioneer, but it's working. And it's one of those times I could look back on my life and say, okay, I didn't miss an opportunity. Hmm. No, I, you're right. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, man, I had an opportunity for Amazon early on. Uh, and yeah, we're not going to talk about that. And if my wife hears this, she'll kick me in the junk, but yeah, you missed out. I did. I had an opportunity. So, okay. So then let's go back to March, 2020. So we're, you know, you're at a business point now where you've got three customers You've got some associates. How many people are working under your umbrella? Uh, anywhere from two to five, depending on. And they're all the like independent guys that have got. Yeah, they're experience. all contractors. Yep. Cool. So you know you're running and you've got your consultancy running now. Your podcast is going. What the hell happened? How did it all unfold for you personally? Yeah, I mean, it hit a brick wall. I mean, I remember. I remembered it was. Um, uh, what was the date? I think it was around the the tenth or eleventh of March, and I was I was in my shared workspace, which is a couple of towns away here, and there's a bunch of folks there. We all kind of work. Well, we don't work together, but we're all in that same room, and we were kind of joking, like, "Oh, this virus is coming from China. They're going to start to like, you know, things are shutting things down." And you know, it got a little bit more serious, and that was the last day that we were all in the office together, um, and it was also the day that we got word that South by Southwest, a big event here in the U S I don't know if you're familiar South by Southwest um, got canceled. And for me, I go every year. South by is my biggest in, in, I do more business development in four days than I do in the entire year. Really? Right. I, I schmooze. That's my four days of whining and dining and partying and mingling and mixing. I mean, I, I highly recommend, dude, if if you want to come by next year, come over next year, we'll have a great time and you'll see what I'm talking about, man. It's literally going party to party and literally you're shoulder to shoulder. You could be shoulder to shoulder with a billion dollar founder next to you, sharing a drink, sharing a story, man. Next thing you know, you have a relationship, you have meetings coming up. I mean, that's how I got my current client right now. My current client two years ago at South by, that's where I met them. That's where I connected and I fostered that relationship. So now fast forward, it's March, 2020 and that shit just got canceled. And I'm like, Oh wow. What am I going to do? Um, I was panicking. I was like, all right, I need to kind of, come up with a plan here because I thought Sean in, in I had this deep dark thought that everything was gone yeah in one quick one quick swoop yeah and that's same. when I said and that's when I said I needed to shift this was a shift for me and it came from one of my trusted advisors and mentors to change the dynamic from being a vendor being viewed as a vendor to being viewed as a partner hmm. meaning make yourself invaluable and what that means is, even if it's not a revenue generating business opportunity, as long as you have that relationship, triple down on value add, find their white space opportunities, help them on their digital strategy, help them on branding, all these things that you're not charging them for, but you're adding value. So when we come out of this, because we are, we're real close to it, you're going to be at the top of their fucking list. Hmm. No, and I, that's I, what I did. And I think the best, the businesses that come out of this will have gone through a similar journey. They'll have gone, Resilience. yeah, how do, it's, it's also how do you, uh, how, how do we position ourselves as that? I call it the guide. Like, I think if you can be the guide in these times, you can, you, you know, you've got to support, you've got to help, you've got to, you've got to offer everything you can offer to people so that when the bounce comes, they go, he didn't desert me. They didn't disappear. They were great. 100%. And that, that's the vision. What, where are you heading? So what, NHP, what's the plan? What's the big, big North Star Apart I don't from know, the man. fact it's your daughter's name. Where, where are you going? I, I don't know, man. I think the future is extremely bright right now. Um, I, I feel there's a couple different sides here. I think that um, what I've been doing the last couple of months and the work that I'm doing now with a couple of my clients is really going to open up a lot of new doors for me. Um, and I'm looking to scale 
um, but within reason. And I had another conversation with a with a previous guest, a guy by the name of Lars Schmidt. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, he's a big HR podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know him. Uh, and he does executive level HR recruiting. And I asked him the same exact question, and he said, "You know what? I'm very happy with my size because it's manageable. I don't want to get that big. I'm very happy with what I have, and I don't think I want to be a big traditional recruitment firm owner." I don't think that's what I want, but what I think I want to do is really concentrate on building this idea and practice of a consultancy, right? For having other experts like myself who are not just recruiters, but they are strategic. They're almost like HRBPs, if you're familiar with it, mm, HR business okay. practice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They understand the capital side of it, the business side of, of talent and people process, and they can truly partner with founders, CEOs to understand the type of people, the type of roles, and then figure out the best way to get those people in those seats. And I think if I align with those right people, I could build a true business based on that consultancy versus old school con contingency, which I truly think is going to be moving away sooner than later. No, I agree. I agree. What? So do you, do you think the agency market, well, how do you think the agency market is going to change? Let's look at the US and focus on your side of the, of the yeah. pond. How well, do you think, think the agency market will shift as a result of, of what's going on? Well, listen, these are big fees, right? If we're talking anywhere from 17 to 25% contingency fees, right? If you take a basic $100,000 job, you know, let's, let's play it out a little bit. If I'm a company and let's say it's a 20% fee, that's 20 grand. You could get for a fraction of that cost, you know, folks like me plus one for that cost a month, hmm. adding more value. So I think there's going to be tighter scrutiny on budgets. They're going to be cut more and companies are really going to have to look for alternative ways for talent acquisition outside of their in-house teams. So if you have a proven model, instead of just jumping into it, and you could show success and have proven case studies, you're so you're basically process. sitting in you're sitting in the middle, right? Hung Lee was on last week, and he said he sees, oh yeah, he's oh, the guy's awesome, um, and he he talks about this blend between the blurred lines between the in-house and the agency guys, the independents like yourself who are growing these these cool consultancies are gonna. They're not going to care if they're in-house or agency. They're going to be they're going to be a recruit a consultancy. They're going to be a true consultancy. So, I can see more of that. Do you, what do you think about the bigger boys though? The guys that have got the bigger offices and their right. fixed assets oh. and they're built on the juniors coming through. How are they going to evolve? Well, listen. There's going to be a market for everything, right? And and there's different industries where this works and this doesn't work. And there's certain jobs and certain disciplines, right? If we're talking lower level, back of house kind of staff, right? A lot of the churn and burn kind of roles there too. Warehousing, logistics, transportation. There's always going to be that market right? There's always going to be that, but you have to find your niche, right? The riches are in the niches, right? You got to find those niches and that's where it's all about. Does this model apply to every industry? Absolutely not. Um, so I think there's certainly going to be that there's certain values there. They have big RPOs, they have big contracts, they have, you know, different term rates that work for an organization, different performance metrics that work a lot better than the, the consultancy side. Yeah, I agree. In my humble opinion. No, no, I think you're on to, I think you're, you're already ahead of what I think other people will be thinking about. Um, there's a lot going on in the UK. We're, the more people I speak to every week, you know, productization, distribution of, of uh, workforce, the way that they're thinking about charging fees, they're all of, of the evolution of the pro, and, and actually, product, productization is the word I hear the most. Being able to justify. I was literally, like, I was pointing my finger up to talk about that word, man. Mm -hmm. Like, like a tech product, you know, the way you go, well, if you want to pay X, you get X and Y and Z. And if you want to pay a bit more, you get more. You know, clients for, forever have said to recruiters, well, we want the exact same shit, but we want to pay 15%. It's like, all right, cool. But 
because of the sheer competitive nature of the market, people are prepared to drop to those levels without changing what's in it. So I, I think they've got, agencies have got to be better now being able to say, no, I'm sticking to my guns. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to work with people that value that. Yeah, I mean, the model, the model's changing. And I think that you have to adapt or you're going to die. Mm. It's a pretty direct way of saying it. Right? I mean, that, that's what it is, right? You need, to, you need to change and go with the flow. Mm, I like it. What, 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 one final thing I want to know from you. You strike me as someone who's consuming a lot. It's good content. What, 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 let's take recruitment out of it. What are you listening to? What are you reading? What sort of things are you, are you consuming that are funneling your fire and taking you to the next level? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, when I do consume, when I do consume, there's a couple of folks, uh, well, number one in my industry, that's been my guiding light is Joe Mullings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've connected with, you know who Joe is? Yeah, he was on the, he was the first episode of this, of the rag report. Joe's my man. Um, I had an opportunity when I was down in South Florida, my parents are there to go visit Joe. He, his office, his studio was literally 10 minutes from my parents. It was perfect. Um, and I was blown away by a couple of things. One, I've always been impressed by Joe, his style, yeah. his approach, his go get him. But he literally is shifting his his recruitment firm into a media company. He yeah. bought out the space next door and he built out this incredible studio. That's not just for him and what he's doing with Dragonfly Productions and all that kind of stuff. But now he's also able to shift it and have his clients come in and shoot content for their own, for their own yeah, company. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. what Joe's doing. So Joe lights my fire. I'm, I'm going to have Joe back again. He's been on my show a couple of times. And I also was lucky enough, he invited me and we did a live show, a live podcast in his studio, which was incredible, man. I mean, talk about a proper production. And oh, look, if you go back on YouTube to the first episode of the Rag Report, and I'm in my, I'm not even in this room with the microphone. I was literally just sat there with my Mac. It was the day yes. I went, fuck it, I'm going live. <laughs> I'm going daily. I reached out. of I was going to get me a bit of engagement on day one. Love Joe Mullings. We've been talking about doing a show, but I, previously it was just in London in the office. So Joe was number one. I can go global. Let's do it. And then right. he put me up. He had me on this screen in this, right. what, it looked like ESPN. Fucking CNN. Yeah. yeah, and I'm fucking, I'm on this Mac with no microphone. Oh, I felt, I was like, who's the media agency? Me or him? But anyway, Dude, um, you've Mullins been there. The so man. That, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I've been there and done that with him and he inspires me. And as I mentioned before, Dave Meltzer lights my fire too from that like spirituality kind of side, which is deep, right? I think that a lot of people talk action. There's a lot of gurus and talking heads out there, but I follow people who have been successful. And that's something I always tell everybody. I'm like, there's a lot of gurus and people preaching shit out there. Don't follow anyone unless they've proven success, especially what you want to be doing. Mm. So I follow Dave. I follow Joe. When it comes down to empathy and heart, I follow Claude Silver. She was uh, very close to me in my time at VaynerMedia. She's now the chief heart officer, which is a great title. Um, Jill Katz. I mean, these are other people who I consume their content. I consume their energy and it keeps me going, man. You read, you read books as well? Um, it's so funny. So if I flip this camera around, I have my bookshelf in front of me with tons of books. I see Gary Vee, Ray Dalio. Um, there's a whole bunch of them there. I, I really lost, I, I used to read a lot before kids. I really mm-hmm. did. Um, and my focus now is really on them. And I really haven't read much in the last couple of years. And it's a shame because I love it. Um, but I am going to get back into reading. Uh, I booked, uh, coming up, I have um, a former governor of the state of New York coming on my show and he has a book coming out. And I feel well, like I owe it to him before I have him on to read the book. So I'm going to start that book tonight, actually. Yeah, get on it, get on it. So, yeah, but I, I love TV. I love, you know what, man? Sometimes I love to just veg this shit out, man, and put on Netflix and just consume. Why not? Why not? I've just finished the 5 a.m. club after being rec- referred by a guy called Chris Redmond, who's been on my show. Um, and that was a, 
that book started so it was an audio book it started so annoying like the, 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 the there's this one narrator trying to be four guys and i was like you're killing me at the beginning but then it became oh what a book what an amazing book you're um, a big audio guy you like to do the audio books yeah i do both so i'm 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 trying to do 10 pages of a physical book a day and then i listen to an audio book when i'm training or running so i've got i've just started jobs's autobiography which is like 25 hours i did goggins i did richard branson i've done the 5am club um all since lockdown i'll be honest before lockdown I was just podcast and that was it. As now I'm like, I've got this new fire for education and to awesome. soak stuff up. Um, look, Adam, we're running out of time, but uh, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm, I feel like I, I know what's going on in the background now. So I get, I get, I get what you're up to and I, and I love it. What I think this should be, uh, we'll definitely follow this up after the lockdown and see how, how things are progressing. And we're going to follow it up uh, Thursday. You're going to be on my show. That's it. We're returning the favor. I think I've been on a few podcasts, but not many. So I'm excited to be on the other side of it. Well, I'm not, I'll be sat exactly where I am now, but probably. But it's podcast, uh, podcast hosts make good podcast guests, hopefully. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, we'll get the feedback on this one. Uh, if anyone does want to reach out, LinkedIn's the best place, right? And you're, you're open to yeah, any LinkedIn's questions. the best. Adam J. Posner. Just don't try to sell me shit that uh, it's not relevant. I appreciate a good sales pitch that is relevant, but don't try to sell me. Uh, things that are not. Um, everyone's selling. I appreciate that. You can find me there. You can find me uh, the podcast, www.thepodcast.com and nhptalentgroup.com for all recruitment needs. Wicked. Well, I'll tag you in all the content and uh, right. I'm sure people will reach out. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Adam, thanks for joining me. Um, Sean, thanks for having me, man. As always, uh, I don't ask for any money to listen to the show, but I ask for one thing. I ask for you to share this episode with someone you think will find value. So if you're a recruitment owner, share it with your teams, with your colleagues, the guys on furlough. If you're listening and you're not an owner, share it with your owner, with your boss. Um, the more people listening, the more we're all going to connect in this industry and we're going we're gonna to get through these pandemics together um, because I believe that, you know, this market, there's enough for everyone. If we share ideas, we can all be stronger. Um, in the meantime, you stay safe. I'll be back again tomorrow and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online, and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing force. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 
and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.